0: Welcome Welcome to to Modern Modern
1: Figures Podcast, a show where we're elevating the voices of Black women in computing to inspire the next generation of the advanced technology workforce. We're We're your hosts, hosts, Dr. Jeremy Waysom
0: and Dr. Kyla McMullen. This podcast is sponsored by the National Center for Women in Information Technology, or NCWIT. NCWIT is a nonprofit organization that convenes, equips, and unites change leader organizations to increase participation of all women in the field of computing.
1: Kyla and I are representatives of the Institute for African-American Mentoring and Computing Sciences, or IMCS, which serves as a national resource for Black and African-American students, faculty, and industry professionals in computing.
0: Special thanks goes to our listeners who contribute to the podcast by supporting our online store, which you can find at our website, www.modernfigurespodcast.com. All right, we have a super special guest with us here today. We have Dr. Renata Rawlings-Goss. She's the Executive Director for the NSF South Big Data Innovation Hub. She works on bridging the data divide, data science education, all sorts of wonderful things.
1: She's an author, innovator, data career coach. She's also a former American Association for the Advancement of Science Science and Technology Policy Fellow at... The National Science Foundation. That's awesome. Hey. Hey, <laughs> Hi. Good science to have you science. here. Lots of science. All the sciences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It oh, appears that way. Cool. So, also one of Kyla's very good friends. Yeah, it's my bestie. There's definitely a theme yeah. here where right. Kyla brings her people. I bring great people. I'm just <laughs> saying. I'm just no, saying. Nobody's against I'm that. I mean, you're, you're the person in this field, so it makes sense. But... We're so excited that you made it here. I
2: am excited. I am so excited mm-hmm. to be here. I listened, I watched some of the YouTube channel, and I was like, okay, nice. R- <laughs> I need to step up my t-shirt game oh, to make yeah. it happen.
0: Those of you watching on YouTube, she has on, a, for, for those of you listening and not watching, she has on a purple t-shirt with the pie on it. But all of the numbers of pie, well, not all of them, because clearly, you know, we can't enumerate of all of them. A lot but of the numbers. i say maybe 2.2 million of the pie the numbers pie. are on her <laughs> shirt. I don't think there's quite that
1: many, but yeah, not quite. 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 I did a count. It's 2.2 million. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. All right. Definitive
2: (laughs) 2.2 million.
1: Also, uh, I guess not too long ago, I had the pleasure of meeting your mom. Oh, yeah. Who's super cool.
2: She's awesome. Love her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She was. She's great. Kyla says that she's like her other mom. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She has a name for it. I don't know what it is. You have a name. Other mom. Oh you okay, other mom. (laughs) mom. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I I actually have someone I call my other mother because I like the the, other mother, yes. Yeah I like that. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, your mom was telling me all about you and your amazing siblings and all of your accomplishments like moms do.
2: Yeah, she's uh she's good for that, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Don't run into
2: my grandmother. I mean you'll just have all the things. I don't know.
1: that's right. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, they're,
2: they're my fan club, I guess. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I don't know that I have a fan club, so that's, that's cool.
0: <laughs> so you definitely, you know, you've been in science for a very long time. So, like, what first sparked that interest? Like, was it anything, like, you know, special about growing mm-hmm. up? Like, how'd you get interested?
2: Yeah, so, ironically, it was a commercial. <laughs> because they had this commercial for pbs where Mm. there was a dad and his daughter looking up at the sky and it was like astrophysicist or something (laughs) like that like it was just a long word and i was thinking huh i like stars and (laughs) you know it seemed cool thing to say and so i said it to one adult and they were like oh so uh Cool. Good luck with that. Like mm. you're you're smart, and they didn't ask me any more questions. And I was like, this is amazing. Right. No more questions. <laughs> like people didn't ask me like, and so where are you gonna go? Blah blah blah. And I was like, okay, great. You know, I had no idea what that really meant, except for mm. like, sitting on a mountain looking at stars. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I actually got to high school, uh, we had a physics class, and I was thinking, okay, now I'll actually figure out what any of these words mean. And so I took the physics class. And I did okay. I liked it. And I liked the teacher. He was a, uh, he had gone to this, to my high school, but actually my high school was a performing arts high school. Right. You had to audition to get in and I was a dance major. And so we had visual art, music, like kind of like more conservatory, but they had a full, you know, academic curriculum. So he was a former student who had gone to. Uh, college for physics, and it came back, and was teaching physics at That's the awesome. high school. Yeah, and so he wasn't quite as far removed in age from us. I mm-hmm. mean, he was probably maybe eight years older than than the seniors or something like that. Yeah, but he was very enthusiastic about physics, and I had already had this in my mind as something that was at least a word I had been telling people for a <laughs> while. <laughs> yeah, so the power of just saying something Mm. enough and so when I went to college I got a scholarship that where you had to declare a major
1: yeah
2: uh, right up front you know to accept the full scholarship so I was like I'm gonna be a physics major and I ended up majoring in physics for that reason really because nobody in my family had had really went into physics before that but I and all of my friends who were artists thought I was insane because <laughs> they all went to like Juilliard or yeah. LA or New York things that you would do as an artist, and so I had gotten into um, Alvin Ailey their uh, oh, their school. Yeah. No, their their school. Alvin Ailey has a uh, has a school for their junior company. So uh-huh. it wasn't the full Alvin Ailey company, but it was the one where their company members. A teacher, you still have to audition, it's still a big deal to get in, yeah, because no, you don't, Absolutely, I uh, usually get in, so I and she
0: said, I'm gonna do physics, <laughs> right? <laughs> so
2: that played with my yeah, day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but STEM would have had to wait, like, <laughs> wait, what? That's cool, yeah. I really, but see, I was, I like doing puzzles, and I considered physics to be about puzzles, and then I made this consideration, I was like, well. Cause I was racking my brain about this because it was Alvin freaking imagine. Alien, okay, yeah, yeah. I was like, you don't say uh, no to that, right? right. And, but you couldn't take a really math-based major in that because it was joint with Columbia. Okay. was the and so but the most technical major you could do and be in the program was communications, I think. Mm-mm. And so other <laughs> things were like art history or you know like more like getting these types of degrees. So yeah. I was like, well, if it comes down to it, I'm sure that somebody might let me dance with a physics degree, but nobody's going to let me do physics with Would a you, dance degree. That's
1: right. Absolutely not. So <laughs> that was really what it came down yeah. to. If I
2: liked them both, that one required the credential and one didn't absolutely require it. So wow, that's how I ended up in physics to start.
1: I don't even know what to say right now. I know right. <laughs> I'm a and little I'm a little overwhelmed. <laughs> I get it. I I I get now why your mom <laughs> <a lot. laughs> That is nuts. I know, right? So, so did anyone like while you were other than this teacher say like, <laughs> you know, maybe you should go into physics and not dance? No. Or was everybody just like who is this person and why is she insane? Like. No. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quite everybody saying who, like, you're crazy. Like, my parents are basically like,
2: we're not going to make this decision for you mm-hmm. because it's your life, which I appreciate it. And they were saying, we'll support you in either decision you choose so that that way you can't, right. I can't look back and say, oh, they like Someone forced me right. into it. I did this because you made me. You made me. you like killed my dreams or something oh, you know i can't yeah, say that because yeah. i chose myself and um you know some of my friends were like i mean they just be, give you the look that you know most people when you say physics do they they, they give you the look like
1: oh, okay uh-huh. look <laughs>
2: like, well, i mean i guess if you whatever like you know that kind of thing um my teachers were they were also like yeah you know i think you you could do what yeah, you you've I guess they believed just with my grades that I could do it. Like so there's, they, they no answer, yeah. there's no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer type of thing. So I went, and I'll tell you, actually, I really loved it. I didn't mm. know I was going to love it when I went in because I was like, well, worst case scenario, I could change my major. Yeah. <laughs> you know? sure. Like, I got to declare a major. And where did you I go to college? It. I went to Florida A&M University, the home of the rattlers. Mm, okay. <laughs> I might have to strike, strike, <laughs> and strike again.
1: That's fine. So, you know, it's okay, cool. I don't have <laughs> cool. anything against those people cool. in that town. <laughs> those people in that <laughs> those town. Those people. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's Rude. the other one. It's close like, by here. Like, yeah, I got you. Got you. Y'all are fine cool. with me. Hilarious. Cool. <sighs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you know. ended
0: up in grad school. So, like, was there anything like that stood out that made you say, "All right, I really like this physics thing. I want to study even more physics." You know, what was that transition like?
2: Well, it turned out—I mean, f- for good or bad—I was really good at it. Like, I ended up being <laughs> like valedictorian of our class, Whoa. and I was the only woman that made it all the way through to the end of wow, our class. Wow, but wow. they elected me class president. I was president of the honor society. I in college I, in college yeah. for the physics honor society, and um, so. They were like Your friends yeah. are cool, Kyla. <laughs> you I, should mean, go? I know
1: I'm one of them, so it's fine. <laughs> but like, wow. Okay. I don't
0: keep no bums around now.
1: Okay. <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> okay. Oh, <God. laughs> kind of, hey, hey, no. <laughs> people who shall not be named. <laughs> but yeah, so that's really that's exceptional. I don't even there's no other word for it. Like we, saw... we are so underrepresented in physics it is they count y'all yeah
2: yeah like i was like when i graduated i was number um i think i was i was number seven ever
0: yeah yeah isn't that crazy (laughs) like yeah
2: yeah like ever i was i didn't know that when i started thank god like you (laughs) know but (laughs) i knew it when i ended yeah (laughs)
1: That is mm-hmm. almost incomprehensible. So for anyone who is listening who doesn't mm-hmm. understand what she means by she was number seven ever. Like, at least that's what I was told. Like, in the sense that it was like there was
2: somebody that decided she wanted to start keeping a
0: list. Yeah, there's of a whole people list. Online,
2: and um, they tried to, like, go back and look. And at the time, that's what they told me. They're like, they're not. I mean, they're just not that many. Um,
1: this is an undergraduate degree or a uh, PhD PhD probably makes more
2: sense to me, right? Uh, That would make more sense to me. But I think even in undergrad, they told me I was some like really small number. So when I because I remember having this conversation when I was graduating undergrad, not my PhD. And for my PhD, I know I was the first one in that program. But I don't know about like nationwide overall. Yeah. Can can you guys look it up and see is there anywhere to look up like how many people are there?
1: Let's Google it. Yeah. Yay, Google. <laughs> okay. There's an organization that's called African American Women in Physics. And um, the list is on there. And let's see. let copy these It should people. be Jamie
2: Valentine. She went to FAM as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: A legacy of greatness. Just saying. <laughs> I told you I'm, I'm fine with them people. <laughs> From that place. From that place. All right. So... If we paste this into an Excel worksheet, which I have access to online, because thank you, University of Florida. It looks like you would be number 94. But there are some people like Katherine Johnson.
0: Hidden figures. Yeah, a few others
1: who did not complete PhDs. Maybe they have honorary doctorates. I don't know, but... Um well, that's good company. Yeah. yeah. Without with if if we yeah, if they weren't in there, you'd be like number ninety, but I think they're there for a reason, yes. yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. they paved the way. They paved yeah. the way. Still either sure. way that's awesome. in the nineties is still
2: Yeah, especially, you know That's crazy. I graduated in the two thousands. So right. you would think there'd be more than that.
0: Right. From nineteen forty to twenty ten. Just thinking about that. Wow. Just think about that.
1: Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot, yeah. I mean, it's a little, but it's a lot to, like, contend with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of probably ideal that you were in uh, an environment where you were surrounded by other people who looked like you and would support you. Your mom mentioned that all of y'all went to HBCUs. Yes, we did. Before you decided to go on to uh, other institutions, other, like, predominantly white institutions. So. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it really prepared you for... I think
2: it did. I think it was excellent preparation Mm -hmm. for actually doing grad school because, for one, even your professors have... They have a vested interest in you, you know, and they show that in ways of um, mentorship and also just the environment where you don't have to represent quite what you're saying right now like yeah. i didn't need to know what number i was in the country or <laughs> right. the world right. to just live my and life and no one was pointing it out and to me and nobody right? was pointing yeah. it out to me and it wasn't like subliminal i mean i was the only woman in that in the my class at the time but it wasn't both things at once I right guess. <laughs> And so going to grad school, I felt prepared. I felt like, okay, this is something that I want to do and I'm going to do it. And I my advisor actually made the comment that you smile more than most. I thought, (laughs) is that not a thing? Uh, Do people
0: (laughs) not smile? I'm supposed to just be mad all the time. So (laughs) so where did you go to grad school?
2: I went to University of Michigan. Go blue. Oh, yes, wow. and that is how I met the lovely kyla <laughs> oh, That's oh. how we met each
1: other. We met each other.
2: Oh my goodness!
1: So, did you study physics there as well? So I did biophysics.
2: So actually, what I was biophysics. Around, I biophysics, okay.
1: and because
0: regular physics ain't hard enough. It wasn't <laughs> enough. It wasn't enough. You know, the discipline to it But what happened
1: to like a. Sh- astrophysics right so i actually
2: started uh we had to do internships so i got an internship at stanford in their linear accelerator because they were doing of
1: course of course yeah
2: because they were doing like astrophysics and i thought Mm -hmm. hey i'm just gonna fulfill this thing from the pbs commercial whatever (laughs) shout out to pbs shout out to pbs you know and so I went out there. Uh, we drove from Florida to uh, wow. Palo Alto. Wow. So that was the longest drive. And then long-ish. I worked in the summer. <laughs> and uh, they it was actually good. But one of the things I found out was you don't get a lot of hands-on experience because the things that they put up, they send to space. So... <laughs> You're mostly getting data from code that's coming from space. Like, you're, and if something breaks, it's not like you're gonna like jump up there and fix it. You know, you know. <laughs> so fly up to space right. and, and handle that I real quick. Tinker this with this thing. Second. You know, so they spend a lot of heavy-duty engineering time making sure everything's really robust. And mm-hmm. then what you get from these, it, one was glass. It was like a large-area space telescope that I was working on, but you get data back from it and you kind of do this analysis and funnily because fun funny in some way is that what i thought to myself is i don't want to just deal with data i thought mm-hmm. that i want to do something <laughs> where i'm looking at stars okay and i right. realized that I
0: get my stars into that this. was not
2: the actual day-to-day work of an astrophysicist, it was more like if you were like a sh- an astronomer or something mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. so I thought, hmm, well, let me look, like think about what other things, because at this point I had already applied to some grad schools in their uh, astrophysics, like the de- their physics department. Yeah. And so I went to a lecture that was at Stanford on, they would just do different lectures on different types of physics. And there was this guy that talked about biophysics and was basically applying physics principles to the understanding of biology and how we work internally and I thought that was really interesting because I'm the type of person that I like to ask why like why is something happening and that's a physics question I found out which is I think why I liked it where it's about asking the question why a billion times like a little kid until somebody gives you a real answer. It's basically like, yeah, why is the sky blue? Well, why? Well, what do the atoms do? Well, why? Like, you know, it's (laughs) like until you get down to like this very small level. And I liked that. But I was like, oh, yeah, inside your body, we don't really know quite as much. And it's sort of like about the actual whys. And so I was interested in it. So I decided to apply to one biophysics program. And it was at the University of Michigan. Wow! Mm-hmm.
1: So were biophysics programs even a popular thing back then?
2: Not really. Mm-hmm. It was only it was less than ten, and so wow. I went and looked at them, and a lot of them were from like a biology perspective. Like they were, I I guess more focused on the bio part and not. From the physics part, the the actual University of Michigan program was different because they said we. I called the secretary, and she said, "Yeah, we admit more physicists now. We've actually switched our program because we found that it's a little easier to teach physicists biology." And, like, switching Mm. it more to that focus than to teach all of physics to bio (laughs) students. Right. And so they had done a shift in that area. And I was like, hey, well, I fit that, Mm -hmm. you know, more so than anything. So that's how I ended up at Michigan.
1: Very cool. Cool. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. So I guess since I know a little bit about your history and how you Mm -hmm. ultimately ended up doing, like, data science type stuff, like, Mm -hmm you must have also been interested in the data that you were collecting Mm -hmm. in this program and like how to leverage it for whatever you, you ultimately were researching. But like, is that like a thing? Like you just collecting all this information there and using like mm -hmm. computer science principles to be able to address some of it.
2: So it was a, a, a couple steps from PhD that I got back into data but the so my research was actually more in the lab like in the biology lab so I was doing like uh, pipetting looking at um, how different viruses compat your immune system so Mm. I did cell culture and like like putting specific viruses into certain cells and looking at the differences uh, labeling and tagging them and The physics part of it was we were using a technique that was very physics based where you had to put two essentially uh, just lights like on these molecules. So they're just like little points that make that send out red light or green light. And if you make them close enough together, then if you just activate the red light, it'll transfer over like a it'll transfer over to the other Mm. um fluorophores, what they call the fluorescent thing and it'll fluoresce that one in green so Mm. it's basically a a way to measure distance at the atomic scale but like from a physics light Mm. like the properties of light the properties of light to do it so we can measure how close they were together uh to to see how the virus worked how it uh, impacted all of these different things that were called Uh, micro rna and those i really liked because it was like a way to regulate your immune system so instead of just went like in to outside environments so i always say if you were to start taking calcium supplements Mm -hmm. um, your body would start to regulate itself to say i don't need to produce quite as much calcium because you're giving it to me on a like a regular basis in the way it turns things on and off down in a lot of different areas not just supplements but even light exposure and all kinds of things is through these microRNAs that they didn't know about but about five years before I started my PhD hmm. so the guy that actually figured it out got a Nobel Prize um, wow. so they um the two guys that like wrote the first paper so they I was like, okay, I want to do this. I like this this project. <laughs> it seems really interesting. It's got a physics aspect. And so that's how I was working on it. But then I when I graduated, I started bef- right before I was graduating, I started getting more into the computational side of it. Like, okay, yeah. well, <laughs> how could we not only model some of this stuff but get information from data to to look at it better. So I started doing the computational stuff towards the end of my PhD, and that, and it translated into my postdoc, which was much more computational, and that's where the more computer science part starts.
0: Yeah, I remember, like, towards the end of your program, like, I have a memory of us at somebody's, like, Super Bowl party or something, and both of us are programming on this person's couch, and I'm like, wait, 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 I'm the computer <laughs> scientist. Take your MATLAB away from here. This is my Aww. MATLAB. <laughs> I
2: was like I'm horning in on your territory
1: (laughs) (laughs) and that's fine Mm -hmm. I think we need more people who have like this intersectional understanding of different fields oh definitely Mm -hmm. the only way that we're gonna like kind of move the needle on some of these Big, complex problems. Right. Because I'm not yeah. about to learn no physics. Girl, <laughs> I mean, I know enough to make a building or a bridge stand, but that's not going to help you uh, with some molecules in your body. So. Right. I know which way gravity mm-hmm. goes. There I'm you go. Saying. It goes down. It goes there down. you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Interesting. Yeah. Nice.
0: Yeah. Can you talk a bit about your postdoc? Like, you had some really cool stuff you were doing there.
2: Yeah. So, towards the end, as I said, I was doing the um, more computational things. So... I became interested in the idea that these microRNAs, since they regulated so much of your body, were they different in different people of different cultures? You know, were there mm. any genetic because uh, they're basically pieces of genetic code that are tiny pieces that they called junk DNA for a long time until they realized they had a function. <laughs> and so all the geneticists were just throwing it out in just every rude. experiment. They were just, just like, rude. oh, toss out the junk, you know. And yeah. I was like, hey, Aww. this junk has stuff I in like it. I like this junk. Right. I like this junk. We need this junk. We need it. <laughs> so I was started looking for postdocs that were actually in genomics labs. And so there's a woman um At UPenn, Sarah Tishkoff, and she was looking (laughs) at- At UPenn. At UPenn, yeah. So she was uh, looking at (laughs) African genetics.
1: Ooh. And so she
2: actually sent members of her lab to different parts of Africa- Oh, now I'm jealous. To look at uh, what what the genomes were and how you could look at um, genetic history- and how African people have actually three times more genetic diversity than anyone else on the planet, which makes sense since a lot of people migrated from Africa and diversified. So she had the data for all of these different people in um, Ethiopia and um, pygmy populations from different uh, parts of Africa, the mm-hmm. Maasai, um, everywhere, and so I proposed. I said I really want to look at genetic diversity in these microRNAs, specifically of people from Africa, as opposed as you know, based with other samples that we have from people from other parts of the world. So that was my postdoc project that mm-hmm. I was interested in doing. So. I got there and got data and I started doing a lot about comparative genomics <laughs> and how to do comparative genomics. And um, so I looked at it. I looked at these uh, uh, published papers and we I tried to see were there actual differences in these little RNAs from different parts of the world. And it turns out that there were mm-hmm. and some of them um, were connected it's hard to um, some of them were actually connected to places that we know have um, disparities in disease so then I got very interested in which diseases do we know about that are actually confirmed because you know there was a lot of different things that could be going on but I only looked at studies that were confirmed differences and the things that came out were um, breast cancer and prostate cancer and I wasn't even looking mm, for
1: cancer interesting like and yeah. and
2: some things to do with, um, And it was like when I looked at the literature for cancer, actually black women get breast cancer less frequently than white women, Mm -hmm. but it's more virulent in a lot of ways. And um, so I was like, whoa, what's the real, like what's the real difference from that? And there's also a difference um, in prostate cancer too for black men compared to others. So that was the findings from the paper. Um, And, I was very interested in this because, for one, just the connection to pharma, also like how metabolism might be connected to it, to how we metabolize drugs potentially. Because everybody does clinical trials in white people and they don't think about Mm -hmm. anybody mm, else's DNA. right, (laughs) Right. Which actually, if they did it in black people, they would probably... Not catch more certain. of the, yeah. and they actually catch more of the genetic diversity of the whole world. Yeah. Right, if they actually were to do it. But
1: so, what do you do with all of this knowledge that you have, like <laughs> from physics to biophysics to now genomics? Like, what do you? What does someone pursue when you're done with all of those things?
2: <laughs> so apparently, what you pursue is policy. And that's how <laughs> I ended up doing that, <laughs> because I was thinking, well, one of the things is in the process of getting all of this information about genomes, you are able to do whole genome sequencing, which Hmm. is each person has a billion speak sequences. And before what they were doing is only getting one gene at a time. So they didn't have to deal with all this data. But once we did, I ended up having to go back to my physics roots and more computational because we were getting, she had 800 samples and we had other people. And if you have a billion Uh, rows for each person you realize Excel breaks extremely (laughs) quickly and so you need to be able to code we had to find ways for storage how to deal with this I was spending a lot of my time on how to deal with the amount of data I was getting the privacy of the people uh, the amount of um how do you communicate results on this scale? Um, how do you do even simple analysis with this amendment? Yeah. But this many people required a lot of computation. We had to get outside servers. We had mm-hmm. to do like everything. Yeah. And so to me, I had the thought, this is not a problem that's going to be solved lab by lab. No, And it's not a problem that researcher by researcher needs to have to contend with to figure out how to advance science. And so there has to be uh, some sort of policy or infrastructure around helping advance science in this way. So that's why I applied to the AAAS policy, it's a science policy fellowship, where basically you have scientists that are PhDs who work in the federal government. And at that time, um, it was the Obama administration and I was interested in working in the federal government. <laughs> and. Um, just (laughs) and uh so i i thought there has to be like a broader bigger way to do this type of work because it wasn't just in my field but i saw the same parallel happening in a lot of fields oh yeah Yeah. um, and people were struggling because they didn't have the background in computer science right Mm. they didn't know how to make these things work uh just organically so that's how i so i was one of, that was in the first class where they actually AAAS has a policy fellowship that's been around for 40 years plus wow. and so they've been doing this for a while but that year was the first year they started a big data track mm. oh, cool. um, for people yeah. who are specifically into data science because it turned out the federal government was having this problem too oh, of too much data absolutely right yeah. and so they were like we need some help like in how to do this so there was 10 of us that started in that first class and and um, I ended up working with the National Science Foundation, but we spread out across different uh, federal agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had, again, started a big data program at NSF in in size. I was working in the front office of the computer science directorate mm-hmm. for the National Science Foundation, which I didn't realize till I got there, actually funds 89 percent of all computer science research oh, in yeah. the whole country. Yeah. So it was doing like they the lion share right? the lion share right? computer science right? <laughs> right um so there was a group there was the big data senior steering group where there was people in different federal agencies um that were trying to f- lay out what is the f- the strategy for dealing with big data and data science um and so i ended up uh co-leading the writing team for that federal big data strategic plan That's um, awesome. so so, it, so they actually published it and out like right when i was leaving i think 2016 is when it came out so it was 19 yeah. federal agencies it was nasa NOAA, nsf um nih uh, department of commerce all
1: of those wow yeah. that's pretty amazing isn't that cool yeah and now you work as like what like the person who's over a giant data hub yeah like (laughs) can i call it that like i don't know what else to say talk about
0: the hub and the like Mm -hmm. all of that
2: so essentially it came from the idea that there was need for this type of a connection around data science big data that crossed not just government but academia and industry yep. and that all three needed to really work together in order to solve some of the bigger societal problems or mm-hmm. things that had these massive data sets that you needed expertise from all of them and buy in. So there was a workshop that was done to bring in these different groups. And from it, they actually allocated a lot more funding in this area to in the federal space and industry matched some of that funding. But and so it was a, a really successful event. But they said this is not something that government Should own Mm -hmm. right. It's an Mm -hmm. effort that should be a there should be a neutral place that people can convene, and the real mission of it is to convene industry, academia, and government to solve some more societal problems. So, the idea of the hubs came out, and this was um, to have regional hubs for Mm -hmm. the nation. So they ended up funding four big data hubs uh, for the country. And it's it's split up by the census. So it's population split. So the South, the Northeast, the Midwest, and the West. And so the South is Delaware through Texas. And so... That's all her. So that's the hub. Like the... Yeah, it's like the bottom half of the country. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. So we have uh, the most states. It's massive. But we have the most states. So the Northeast is like... A smaller amount of states and really compact but it's by population with yeah. so many people so when they uh we're looking uh, to have an executive directors for the hubs. So I ended up being in uh, Atlanta, <laughs> uh, in me. Georgia Tech. That's, um, <laughs> <the> <laughs> so I'm the executive director for the South. So those 16 states. And our mission is to do that, to bring together industry, academia, government to solve bigger problems than they could solve alone with these projects. So that are like spokes and to um, increase the literacy or data for data science and big data um education and workforce so we end up so right now uh we have about a, a little over 1200 partners wow. members and then we um we do a lot of the institutions the academic institutions in the south um big corporations as well as state local and federal government and nonprofits. so that's the role that i'm this is i've been there for three years since i left dc moving to the south <laughs> Even though D.C. was still counted. So I yeah. tell them, well, D.C., you're still hey, in the south. According to you. Yeah. I have to keep reminding Delaware they are in the, the south. south. are <laughs> in the south.
0: All this data science stuff, you guys would have a lot of really cool programs going on. But you also have some initiatives going on yourself and projects you're working on. Do you want to chat a bit about some of those?
2: Sure. So uh, with the things that we do with the Hub, it is a lot of big companies, big universities. But one of the things that I found was really interesting, I'm actually uh, writing, I just finished submitting the manuscript. So there's a book, an upcoming book coming out on data careers, um, data training and data hiring. And in the process of researching for that book this year, I was looking at the um, Market indicators, you know, and where talent was short. So, there's actually a report that came out in January of this year that said there's a global talent shortage Mm -hmm. um, in two areas one, um, science and technology skills, data analytics, science and engineering. And then the second one was skilled manufacturing, which is carpentry, welding, um, and that type of thing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. A shortage worldwide. And one of the market indicators um, that indicates like a recession coming is one is about a yield curve. So when the bond yields um, uh, for three month bonds outweigh what they're paying in interest for 10 year bonds. Hmm. And usually over the last 60 years, uh, about a year after that happens is when we have a recession. And so, actually, so how close are
1: we? Tell me. Like, well, right the now? yield
2: curve inverted in March this oh, year. Yeah. Okay, and so I was looking at how don't do buy a you house. recession-proof <laughs> your career? Don't, you buy yeah, don't, don't buy a house. Yeah, don't right. buy a house. But also just thinking about you know careers and um, and how do you essentially recession-proof these types of things? And there are clearly skills in data and analytics is something that's a global need. And it's something that is not being taught en masse to people of color, especially women of color as well. And so it was a passion thing for me yeah. to also start this program. So I'm actually starting a course. It's a four week course and it's going to be the, uh, in July uh, for oh, wow. starting off with women of color that are interested in uh, launching their career in data science. And one of the things is there's some specific um, things about data and that I think are interesting, like for a, previously if you didn't know kind of what field you were interested in they would say okay be a lawyer right because if you're interested in entertainment you could be an entertainment lawyer <laughs> if you're interested in corporations be a corporate lawyer yeah. if you're interested in that um but now it gets you into the room but now data is the new gatekeeper
1: absolutely yeah. it's yeah. a new thing that Anything people need in every room right yeah, now yeah. Hot. it's yeah. hot
2: and it's because you could work with Anyone. Astronomers. You could work with hospitals. There are people working. They just the U.S. just had the first U.S. chief data officer. Oh, that's right. Um, DJ Patel. There's a. They have this new data C-suite that's in almost every company. Uh-huh. And the companies we deal with aren't just the Microsoft. I mean, we do have partnerships with Microsoft and Facebook, but. Also, Stanley Black & Decker, Home Depot, Mm -hmm. um, fashion industry, the media, Disney, everybody. And so you really have the ability to use data in service of your own career. Um, and your passions that you never did before and to really add skill sets the only difference that i see when i try to mentor people in this area is having that 30 minute mentorship just it doesn't work because there's so many options oh yeah Yeah. and the options are overwhelming it's a full-time job to know what types of specialties really make sense for the types of careers that you're interested in
1: so how do you tell someone Mm -hmm. like the distinction of what data science really is because I think there's a misconception with right am I doing data
0: entry right what would you tell someone listening to this Mm -hmm. that's like hey I Mm -hmm. want to recession proof my career Mm -hmm. what is this thing
2: right so I would say there are the to me the analogy I use is when people say they want to be a data scientist, I, it's like someone's telling me I want to be a doctor. I say, oh great, but what kind do you want to be? Mm. If you choose to be a podiatrist as opposed to like a neurosurgeon, it's a big difference <laughs> in like how much you make, how many years of training you have to do, uh-huh. uh, what your day-to-day tasks are going to be. And the world of data is an ecosystem like that, where there's the akin to a nurse or a medical technician. Uh, in data science where you are doing data entry and Mm. those type of things but there are akin to neurosurgeons where you are creating new products uh, and services around data creating different algorithms doing really the work of computer science but applying it deeply to a domain that is going to be pushed forward highly specialized Mm -hmm. there's even highly specialized forms of you know Techniques that the hot one right now is very much artificial intelligence or yeah. machine learning, or um, but those are specialties, uh, data science. And there's a lot of rise of specialties because I would say data science is where healthcare was when originally there was like a country doctor. Mm-hmm. That if every town had a country doctor, then Anything that ails you, just go see the doc, you know, and general purpose, general purpose doctor. (laughs) And that works out fine. It's simple. It's a simple model. But you're limited in the knowledge of the local doctor. Right. They can only treat what they know. So once things the amount that you need to know. Uh, gets really specialized or there's things that are outside of their general knowledge, you need a specialist. And then you started seeing all these medical schools where they were like each part of the body had a specialized. Mm-hmm. And that's right at where we are with data science, where companies and institutions were trying to find this perfect uh, unicorn, like country doctor that knew everything about data. And so they would hire this one person and then kind of put on, lay at their feet all of
1: yeah everything (laughs) all of science or
2: anything that could happen with technology and be like and it
1: just wasn't practical figure it out yeah
2: and it was just not enough of those people anywhere to go around and for the amount of demand there's like you know
1: well i just i really mm -hmm. love how you Mm -hmm. took your biophysics and just (laughs) brought it all into the data science like yeah like Mm -hmm. that's a really simple a simplistic way to like Mm -hmm. articulate Mm -hmm. the nuances within that field and i think it's phenomenal that I don't, I don't know if you <laughs> did that on purpose but I think it's a really good way to to help someone who has no concept of what of what it is the landscape of computer science and data science really is so yeah. mm-hmm. that's very very cool nice. okay so Kyla so, has some yeah. um, some stuff that she wants to shout out about how awesome you are oh so. yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> no you have like this really cool article um, called artificial intelligence simply explained I highly recommend anyone who's like, you know number one what is data science but two what is AI like this is a Mm -hmm. really good from the perspective of someone who hears lots of buzzwords it's like this collection of how they all relate to each other and things Mm -hmm. like that you also recently won an award at Georgia Tech you want to talk about that award a little bit
2: um, so it was for the South Hub because we got um, recognized. We were on President Obama's top 100 list for science impact list for science and technology. Whoa. And uh, we got um, uh, we won from Georgia Tech a award for the outstanding uh, research development program because we have several spoke projects. So it's like hub and spoke. Mm-hmm. And so um, those are projects where they have a separate they have PIs that are attached to the hubs and it's industry government academic projects so one is on health disparities in the south one is on improving our smart grid um, and our energy system Um, one is on uh, education in biology actually biology education combined with data Um, and the health disparities one I love because they actually go in and um, train students in primary um primarily African American and Latino communities to become the app developers to collect the data for the study to mm-hmm. improve trust in the community because historically you know we don't have a lot of trust of people doing research <laughs> in our in our um oh, communities yeah. Yeah. so for, that valid, reasons. The, for yes, valid reasons, for valid reasons, yeah, for completely legitimate reasons. Legitimate reasons. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, so
0: before mm-hmm. we get out of here, is there anything else you want people to look out for um, that's coming up that you or the hub is working on?
2: Sure. I mean, so if you're interested in the course, uh, we will go through your mindset, fears about learning um, technology, looking at uh, clarity. What is the real clear path? Uh, What skills do you actually need to know so people don't waste money going to everything and not actually getting to the place they'd like to be and how to launch a career with success and prosper. So if that's July 8th, it starts for the women of color uh, class. And it's Mm goodwithdata.us. It's a U.S., but it's actually, for me, it's about us. Like there's a lot of things (laughs) that that are about community. So people would actually sign up to have a call with me to discover whether you're a good fit for the class. Cause it's going to be a small group.
1: Are you planning on doing more iterations of the course?
2: Yes. I'm thinking um, there's been a lot of interest ever since I keep saying women of color, there's been a lot of guys <laughs> that say, I want to be a part of nothing. the course. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm starting off with women of color. Uh, but I think that probably I will run a, a course for people of color. Um, I've also been approached by just women's groups in general, but Mm -hmm. I do want to keep it so that it's, there's a lot of things that are open, but I do hear a lot that there are people of color and women feel like tech can be lonely Mm -hmm. or that there's a stereotype that you have to change who you are in order to be in this very niche community. And it's much broader than that, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. mm -hmm. So how do people find you? Tell us how they can find you on the internet.
2: In the interwebs. So I actually am on LinkedIn. Okay. So if you do Renata Rawlings-Goss uh, LinkedIn, uh, I have, I do post articles there. I also put up things about scholarships for uh, data science. There's some that are available that are worldwide or global. And I, on Twitter as well, but it's at Goss Renata. <laughs> it's like backwards. Awesome. But if you put in my name, it also comes up.
1: Well, thanks so much yeah,
0: for joining thanks us. For coming.
2: Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You guys are amazing.
0: What you're doing, I love it. So, oh, thank you. It's good. As always, you can find us on our website at modernfigurespodcast.com, where you can also purchase items from our online store. Send us questions via email at askusmodernfigurespodcast.com.
1: At The podcast is also on social media. Just search for Modern Figures Podcast. And you can find Kyla and I on Twitter. Kyla is at Dr. Underscore Kyla. And I'm at Jeremy Waysom. Until
0: Until next time,
1: stay hydrated, moisturized, and protect protect your peace. peace.